Well, I want to think just for a few minutes devotionally of the subject that really is all the way through this chapter, which is looking for his coming. Are you looking forward to the end of the world? Are you looking forward to this world being dissolved? And then the eternity. That's really the message that Peter has as he closes his two epistles, yearning for heaven. Well, we live in a particularly dark period, don't we, at the moment? Not just the fact that the clocks go back and that the evenings become long and lonely for many, especially our elderly, but we live in dark days in the world. I don't remember in my lifetime two significant wars going on that have the potential to tie in lots of countries. And these problems go back centuries or even thousands of years and we don't know what will happen. We don't know if other countries will get involved. The loss of life is catastrophic. Every life being precious, we cannot say what these things mean. I think anybody that tries to predict or says what this means in the mind of God is foolish. But we can say that these are characteristic of the end of time. And therefore we should be on our guard, as this chapter says, to be thinking of heaven. I trust, and not away from God, but to be thinking of heaven often. This chapter sometimes is known as the three looks. You might have noticed as you read through, we should be looking, 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 all for eternal things. We have a world in geopolitical crisis. What are we to make of it? It grieves us, it concerns us perhaps, but perhaps we should be more thinking, time is short. Time is short, what we should we be doing with our lives and how ought we to be, as Peter says here, how ought we to behave, how should we conduct ourselves? We look at the church and across America, Europe, UK, Maybe we're in the worst position we've been in for several centuries. The Bible is trampled underfoot. Gender, marriage, you name it. Redefined. God's word thrown out. So what does Peter make of these things? Well, if you turn to the beginning of the chapter, you see what his purpose is as he writes his final portion of the two letters he says that he wants to stir up, agitate. He wants to make us feel as though we have a responsibility and a burden and we are to remember the things. There's nothing new in this chapter in a sense. He says it's been taught before verse 2 by the prophets, by the apostles and by the Lord. So he's not giving some new revelation but he's saying, I want to agitate you. I don't want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to sit there and do nothing. But I want you to be very clear. Matthew Henry says very helpfully to have an active and a lively outlook in holiness. And that's the theme. Just look at some of the things he says here. 
It is, this is an interesting term that he says. Verse 3, this is very significant. Knowing this first, when the end of time will come, you'll know it because there will be scoffers. Actually, the Greek says there will be scoffers who scoff. It's a double use of the word. They will mock the church, mock Christians. You believe in that? And they will walk in their own lust. They'll do whatsoever it pleases them. If it feels good, do it. And they will scoff and mock at everything which is high and holy. The second thing that we notice here is it seems God is delaying. He says, is God slack? Has he forgotten his promise that he'll come again? No. God is working to a timetable, just like the Lord Jesus Christ was. At Cana of Galilee, the first miracle, he told his own mother, not rudely, my time has not yet come. And so the Lord hasn't yet purposed to finish this world. Why is that? Well, very wonderfully, it says here that the purpose that time has not ended is so that more people can be saved. Because God is so gracious. He desires that there would be many more, verse 9, who would willingly come to repentance. God wouldn't be willing that anybody should die. Isn't that lovely? He doesn't want one person in hell. And for that very reason, God says, I'll give you a bit more and a bit more time. How much more? 1%? Another year? Another decade? Surely not another hundred years. It's almost inconceivable that the world could go on much more than that. But God isn't slack. He is patient, long-suffering, and he wants everybody to hear the gospel and to come in repentance. The third thing that we notice, verse 10. When the Lord Jesus comes again, it will be just so sudden. Like a thief in the night, there will be people utterly unprepared. There will be a great noise. There will be fire. There will be heat. It will be unmistakable. In other words, when God comes again and says, Enough! This world has run its course. There's no longer any more time before the judgment day will come in. And so the question is this. This is what Peter asks. He says, verse 11, How ought ye to be? How should we live our lives? How should we conduct ourselves? How ought ye to be in all holy conversation? That means the way of living. How ought we to live? Just think for a minute. That's quite challenging, isn't it? Should I be planning for 50 years' time? Well, not in my case, but maybe for some of the children here. Should you be? Or should you be concerned about getting right with God now, tonight? Should you know that if the Lord comes like a thief in the night, that you are ready? And you are prepared. 
How should we behave? Well, here's the three looks. Verse 12. Looking for, yearning, desiring, and wanting it to come very quickly. The coming of the day of God. That's how a Christian is known. We don't really want this world to carry on. It sounds strange. But we know that there's a better world to come. There's a better life to come. This world is just preparation. And the world to come is what really matters for us. Verse 12. Looking for, desiring that that day would come very quickly. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Well, there's the second look. Verse 13. What are we looking for? A new heavens and a new earth. This tired world that groans with war, famine, flood, sickness, cancer. This tired world that sometimes is painful and causes suffering. Well, we're looking for a new world. We're looking for the new heavens, the new earth. Look what is going to be characteristic of that place wherein dwells perfect righteousness. What a thought. No more pain, no more sin, no more loss, no more suffering. Isn't that what we desire tonight? That's a test. Are you truly a Christian tonight? Do you know the desire for heaven and for a new earth and a new heaven? That's the second look. And then in verse 14 it says, Wherefore, beloved, speaking of believers, seeing that ye look for such things. Ah, here's the call to action. Be diligent. Be very careful. What you say. How you spend your money. What you do. And make sure that you are found of him, Christ, in peace without spot. And blameless. Would I want to be found doing what I will be doing. On the day when the Lord comes again. Would I be ashamed. Embarrassed. And would I be with spot. And blameworthy. That's what Peter's saying. Make sure. Every hour. Every day. Every part of your life. That you're living it. Diligently. Carefully. Thoughtfully. That Christ could come any minute. And if he came and found me doing this or that. Would I be pleased? Would he be pleased? And then verse 15 as he draws to conclusion he says. Make sure you realise the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. This is all about the gospel. We're going to have four people lead us in prayer shortly. And one of the main things that we'll pray for, no doubt, is salvation. The gospel, children, adults, everybody that possibly can hear the gospel, be given a Bible, some opportunity. That's to be our preoccupation. That's to be our desire. And then just before we close, a final warning. It says, verse 17 a final warning and then a final commandment. Verse 17, here's the warning. Don't be led into error. 
Don't be led astray by foolish things, wicked things that could cause you to fall. Be very careful because at the end of time there will be a falling away before the Lord Jesus comes again. Be very careful. There'll be lots of teachers, lots of false teaching, lots of false practice. But make sure you stand from your steadfastness. Stand firm. And then here's the instruction, this lovely verse that we often say. This is what we should all desire tonight. To grow in grace. Oh, for more grace. The very opposite of pride. Grace. Humility. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Who can ever say that we know enough of grace? That we know enough of humility? That we know enough of our Saviour? There's always more to learn. Well, some thoughts about yearning for the end of time.